Welcome back, everyone, to a Mindset Medicine podcast. I'm Catherine Lucadu, and I have an amazing guest today and a really, really informative and I think really important episode that whether you are male or female, whatever, if you're in business, if you're going through life, this episode is going to be super important to you. And we are going to be talking about why successful women burn out. And I think that we could actually interchange the word woman or man, because I think it's possible for anyone who's successful, who's in business, to burn out. And I have my wonderful guest here today who is a burnout coach, and this is Tara O'Dell. Good morning, Tara. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Yeah, good morning, Catherine. I'm excited to be here. This is going to be a fun topic. This is going to be a really fun topic. And um, especially since we both have so much, let's say, history with it, and we have so much experience with it, um, I think that we will have a lot of, I won't call them tips, I, but I think we will have a lot of knowledge and maybe life experience that we can share with people about you know, what burnout is. Because I'll tell you something, it never crossed my mind until a couple of years ago when I kind of sat back and I thought, what on earth did I just go through? And it kind of hits you like this ball of fire and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know why I was feeling like I was. But before we go, you know, down that road, I would love it if you could give us a little background on you. What is your story? How did you end up here where you are today? And we can like dive in into the nitty gritty, but just a little bit of a background about who you are. We met in a program together. And so we we hit it off right away. And so Let's let everyone else know a little bit about you. Yeah, no, I'm so glad to be here and so fortunate to have connected with you. And just a little bit about me, I basically fell into banking. I always kind of joke and say it picked me. And so I ended up, you know, I started as a teller, believe it or not. I came from two uneducated parents and um, pretty much grew up poor and um, got really lucky, walked into a bank one day and was offered a job when I was 18. And um, banking and I were good for each other. Um, for 20 years, I spent um, in corporate and kind of climbed the corporate ladder. And um, I had all the successes and I got a fancy title and a big office at one point. And so I, had, you know, ultimately got to the market executive role within a bank um, and I was kind of living the dream life, so to speak, right? Like I had this picture perfect life of success, like this Instagram worthy picture of success. You know, I had the husband and the kids and the nice car and the fancy job. And, but at the same time, like I started to feel like I was really just kind of going through the motions of life, mm -hmm. um, just not really showing up for myself or even my family. And um, even, you know, and for years, actually, I was told that I was going to burn out from my boss and my husband. And I was just pedal to the metal. You know, this is what I was good at. I was a resilient person. I could run circles around people. It was just something that I prided myself in. And so I ignored all the signs of burnout for so long until I was pretty much kind of slapped in the face with it. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was kind of my wake up call. And so now I'm super passionate about helping other women like me that are high achieving women that have found success really dig deep. Um, and heal from burnout so that they can have a sustainable career that they feel empowered by and not exhausted by and really learn how to rein in our drive for success and achievement, which is very is great. It's all good. But when it comes at such a great cost yeah. to our mental health, our physical health, our family, our relationships our, with others, ourselves for that matter, mm -hmm. that's when we learn to moderate, Right. And still, you know, still level up in our career. But um, so I am the holistic burnout coach and I'm loving it. It's a passion of mine. And um, yeah, so I've evolved from corporate market executive for a bank into holistic burnout coach for professional women. Okay, so you unpacked a lot there. And so what I'd love to do is let's rewind a little bit. Yeah. So when you walked into that bank at 18 and I would prefer to really just go a little deeper. 
Did you feel like, you know, as you worked your way up the ladder, did you feel like maybe you had something to prove? Like, you know, because I don't think it becomes natural at the beginning. I think at the beginning, you're trying really, really hard. Do you feel like that is just a part of who you are? Or did you develop into that type of person? Oh my gosh, I could go in so many directions. But yeah, so in hindsight, now I recognize that I was trying to prove something, right? Um, and it's even deeper than just proving something, right? It, 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 and we'll get into that. But, um, but yeah, I didn't think it at the time. At the time, I was just, you know, trying to do good work and, yeah. you know, show up and put in 110% every single day. And, um, but yeah, and for the longest time, I always felt like it was very innate to me to be a high achiever. Like I never had to like tell, give myself a slap on the back every morning and say, Hey, go kick ass and take names. Yes. yes. You know, but it just happened naturally. Um, but now I have a very different opinion about that. And I'm sure we're going to get into that part too, but yeah. All right. Well, why don't we start with that? Why don't we start with your opinion and we can go all over, but I know that we will come in a full circle. So tell me what you think about you know, that idea of, you know, maybe at first it starts one way, but then it may kind of detour and go another way. Yeah. So after I burned out, basically, and my world kind of came crash, I had an emotional breakdown. I had an emotional breakdown. I ended up having to take a leave of absence for work. And I was really faced to force the music and ask myself, what happened? Like, what happened? Like I was, I did, I was awesome. Like I had it all together, right? Like everybody thought I had it together, which is, a, a, which is common with women. And so I really had to ask myself some tough questions. Mm-hmm. And so something that my sister actually had been pinging at me for almost a decade probably was, and I'm just going to rip the bandaid off here because I don't think it does anybody any ser- just, you know, service if I don't just rip it off. Mm-hmm. But my sister, I mean, we grew up and, you know, we had three stepdads growing up by the time I was 10. Um, my mom and dad were divorced when I was, she was pregnant with me. Um, I was born into a very stressful environment. My mom was in survival mode. We grew up poor. Like my mom did, she was in survival mode, didn't have capacity to be there for my emotional needs, et cetera, et cetera. Right. So with all that to say, I I grew up in a less than perfect home. Was I physically abused? Absolutely not. I was not. And so for the longest time, I never thought that I had experienced trauma. Yes. Yes. Because I didn't have that overt physical abuse. I never had that. And I always felt like I didn't want to be the oh, woes me person that was like, oh, you know, I really loved who I had become in many ways. And it was, I those are still strengths of mine, high achieving. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, find that I think that we we grow up with the idea that trauma is something that, you know, we, we've seen in movies, right? People go through trauma, like these devastating experiences and so on. But what I've learned over the years is that that's not actually, trauma is so much more than that. Trauma is just simply something that has affected you so deeply that sometimes you don't even realize until later on what those side effects are because they come out in different ways and they show themselves in different ways. Yeah, absolutely. And in the classic way, and I, I do this because it's a good illustration, but when people, a lot of times when people experience traumas, they will become, they'll have addictions, right? Yeah. They'll have, they'll cope, they'll mm-hmm. numb out mm-hmm. and it works for them, right? This is a, have this addiction so that they don't have to face the trauma, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, that saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Yes. So that, that saying has come so, so alive to me because I realize that certain natures, we'll just put it that way. Yeah. Instead of going to the numbing, like addiction route, they will go to fill their need, their, the gap. that trauma they'll they'll cope with it by achieving right or you know people pleasing or over functioning or trying to be a perfectionist right so there are some of these kind of extreme behaviors um that happen that the root of it oftentimes is some trauma and it may not be so obvious because to your point it's not necessarily what happened to us anymore it's the residual impact to our nervous system and into our subconscious. Right. It's how we experienced it. That's all it is. Right. And, and that's why I I know in a a lot of the research that I've done in, in burnout and 
trauma and PTSD and different things like that is that you could line up five people who have all gone through the same experience and they will not be dealing with it in the same way. They will not even, if you were to ask them to recount the experience, they would recount it in a different way because of the world that they've come from, the world they live in. Now, how have they interpreted that experience? And that's why we have some people who become, uh, have addictions. Some people, as you said, become very high achievers because it's just how they cope with what's happened. I would love to just go back to a, a moment when you said that you had an emotional breakdown. Where do you, did that just appear or did you feel like something was happening over a period of time? Did you sort of see, because I know for myself, I noticed that rather than being my, my, my happy self, my grateful self, Every day I was feeling a little more negative and I could feel it like nudging inside my head. And then you're trying to overcompensate because you're like, but that's not me. Why, why am I waking up feeling like this? And then little by little, it starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Was it the same for you or did you feel like it was just sort of all of a sudden it just kind of overcame you? Both, both, to be honest, like it was a culmination for years. When I look back, I was burnout. When you look at, especially for women, the three top symptoms of burnout, they it, it's basically exhaustion, mental and physical exhaustion. Mostly a lot of times it's just mental exhaustion, but physical too. Mm -hmm. um, cynicism around work. Like, why am I doing this? What's the point? Or colleagues that you're working with, why aren't they pulling their way? Or students or patients, like you start getting really cynical. Yeah, and then- yeah. The last one is just feelings of ineffectiveness. Like sometimes those are just feelings and sometimes you truly are less effective than you had been because your cognitive abilities are slowing down. You're having focus issues. Things that used to seem easy are now more difficult. Yes. So looking back, I, you know, I changed jobs because I got really cynical about my, I changed within my company. I'd been there for 10 years and I changed jobs thinking that that would put the wind back in my sails because I had gotten really cynical about work. But that didn't solve the problem. I was still burnt out. So to answer your question, it had been years, but then there was a trigger that basically created this emotional breakdown because I had been living on the margin of life for so long. Mm. Yeah. Why don't we jump in then and let's talk to the people who are listening today and wondering, am I burnt out? Because you've mentioned many of the symptoms that I think um, are, are so prevalent in, in most people who will burn out. But why don't we talk about, you know, if, if someone is sitting there today and they're feeling some of that cynicism, you know, how do you know that the cynicism isn't just because some people are just crazy and they're so hard to deal with, but then how do you know it's, no, it's not that. This is, this is something different. This is a little deeper than that. Let's talk about some of those things where people can sort of differentiate, you know, am I feeling burnt out? And then we can go further and what can you do and, and so on. Yeah. So I think, you know, those symptoms are true for any type of burnout, those three symptoms. But in the context of the high achiever, people pleaser, over-functioner, perfectionist, I'll just describe those as those extreme behaviors. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times you become hyper-focused on your career, like it feels consuming to you. Right. right. Now, that is not to say that you can't be burnt out if you're a stay-at-home mom or you have a bad culture, or maybe you're not getting recognized at work or things like that, right? You can definitely be burnt out for those reasons. But for people that are like me, the reason that extreme behaviors, it becomes addictive, like the, the career aspect, you get consumed by it, get to the point where you can't shut off work, you mm -hmm. think about it all the time, you have a really hard time being present. So you're lost in thought, either ruminating about the past or anxious about the future, like all the to do's. Um, you start a lot of times you lose connection with yourself and the people around you, your relationships really start to suffer. Right. You start becoming this unrecognizable version of yourself. Like maybe you didn't drink that much before and now you find yourself coming home and drinking a couple of glasses of wine every night. So that's not, you know, you become irritable and snappy. One of the worst things that I felt personally was like, I felt like my family was getting in the way of my career, like all the things that I needed to get done, like they felt like tasks to me, which ultimately broke my heart, right? Because that's not what I truly believe. Um, my value system is my faith and my family. Mm -hmm. And I was living my life um, incongruent to what my values were. And that's 
Um, that's really kind of when I had my emotional breakdown is when I had this really kind of slap in the face around where I was putting my best energy and where I really wanted to be putting my best energy. So when did you, when did you realize that, um, this wasn't just tiredness or it wasn't just feeling negative? When did you realize, no, this is actually, there is a problem here. Yeah. So finally, I started seeing some cracks. I had actually went um, on my bucket list trip to Greece um, with my husband, who I adore. We, I love him. We have a great relationship. And my best friend and her husband, right? So this was like the ideal trip. I'd always wanted Perfect. to go to Greece. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 10 yeah. days. Yeah. I fell into that trip. Like I didn't plan any of it because I was too busy. Thank goodness for my friends. Um, packing like the morning of the flight kind of thing, right? Ridiculousness. Um, I get to the to the trip and we enjoy ourselves. It's great time. The last day at dinner, my friend asked me, she says, what was your favorite part of the trip, Tara? And I said, um, I thought about it. And, you know, I could have picked, you know, the good wine, the good, the food, the great conversation, the beautiful country that we were in. But you know what my response was? The peace and quiet. Mm. And it broke my heart. Like I mourned that for like a week. And I thought, gosh, let's stop there for a moment, because maybe not everyone would understand. Like we assume people would understand that. Why did that break your heart, that it was the peace and quiet out of that whole list of everything you gave that affected you the most? Yeah, because why was I working so hard to go on a beautiful trip with the people that I love most in my life? And I couldn't enjoy those things. I was numbing. I was kind of on a numb out. Like, oh, I'm just like exhausted and I'm just like completely like trying to catch my breath. And because I wasn't being inundated by emails and calls and back to back meetings and the hustle of everything. Yeah. I had been chronically stressed, so I couldn't even check in to my life. I when you were in. there, the, this is a question I have because I've noticed over the years when you were lying on a beach or you were just sitting around and everything was quiet. Did you find it difficult to relax? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I can't shoot it. It couldn't shut it off. Couldn't yeah. shut it off. Couldn't sit still. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what did you do in that moment when you kind of, when you kind of stopped yourself and you thought, oh my God, like I came this many miles away and this is where I, I've, you know, the, the, the peace and quiet, that's when it hit you. What was that plane ride like home? Yeah, no, it was a wake up call for me. It really made me start realizing like, why am I working so hard? Like, what's the point of all of this? Like, if I can't even show up for my life. And so I started to really kind of, it's where the crack started. And then fast forward two weeks, I was on my way to the airport to pick up, um, to go to work, uh, to travel for work. And I'd gotten some information about my oldest son. Um, and just, I'm pretty candid, open person. Um you know, we've been battling addiction in his life for a while. And so I'd found out some really upsetting news. And all I wanted to do in that moment was to turn the car around and be there for him. Of course. Yeah. But I couldn't. Yes. Yep. I've got, I've got goosebumps right now because I have been in that situation. And that situation is usually the breaking point where the very next day you're like, okay, now everything has to change because that's never happening again. In my mind, this is what's happened with me. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was like a collision. Mm. And in hindsight, it's the, the, one of the biggest blessings, right? But it was this collision around, it was the dissonance between the way that I wanted to live my life and the best energy that I had and where I was actually putting it because I was feeding an addiction. I'll just put it that I, I just I just have to give that illustration because it is that powerful. Yeah. Um, but I I realized I felt like the blinders actually kind of came off and and that I it ensued like a three day emotional breakdown. Like I was crying and everything. And the reason why I couldn't be there is because I hadn't been there for myself. Mm -hmm. I had not been there showing up for myself in years, lifetime probably. Honestly, if I'm being honest. And I wanted to be there for him, but I had been living on the margin for so long. I'd been hustling for so long. I didn't have the capacity. I didn't have the mental, emotional, or physical capacity to be there for him, to, to really 
be there in the way that I wanted to be there for him. Um, and it was these extremes, I think, that really created this like emotional kind of monsoon for me where I was just like, what the heck am I doing with my life, Tara? Like, are you kidding? And I just I was like, this isn't this isn't going to work. Yeah. So so tell me then in that moment or in those three days, what's going through your mind now? What are you thinking? Like, what's next? When you're in that situation where you feel so emotional and you feel like this, this can't keep going on like this, you know, cause you're torn, right? You want to help them, but you can't because you haven't helped yourself yet. Like, you know, as they say, put the oxygen on first. If you've never even done that, you don't even know how to start doing that. Yeah. So what did you do next? So I, I went ahead to on that work trip. I cried all the way through the airport and into the, and ne- the poor man next to me got, bless his heart, he didn't know what to do with me. And of course, all the colleagues at dinner that night too, all men didn't know what to do with me. And, um, but I, to be completely honest, I, I prayed and I asked God, I was like, do I need to, what do I need to do? You know, and, you know, I thought I needed to step away from work because it was a snowball that I had created. And not that I feel like everybody has the luxury or needs to step away to really address burnout, because I don't believe that's true. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, I was in a position where I could, we could. And I, you know, just really asked myself, and of course, I was battling the people pleasing, like, what are people going to think? And, you know, are they, I'm going to disappoint my team. And, you know, I'd been, I'd been so well regarded in this company. I'd been there 10 years, like mental crisis happening here for Tara. Like it just went against every fiber in my body. But essentially I came home and I just shared with my husband, I was like, I, you know, I think I need to take a leave of absence um, and really just let the dust settle and figure out what's going on. And then also be there for my son. Like there was that component too, that I really wanted to be able to give him my full attention, give him my full attention, give myself heal for both of us. And so um, I ended up taking some time off, um, which was a really good thing for me to really begin my healing journey around burnout. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's that was the ultimate outcome. So you brought up your husband and that uh, kind of sparked my next question is in, in talking to him now, um, you know, sort of post all of this that's happened. Mm-hmm. Have you ever asked him if he noticed anything in leading up to you know, the breakdown and, and the way that everything that then started to go in a different direction. Did he ever notice anything? Did he ever say anything? Oh, gosh, yeah. For years, my husband was saying, you're going to burn yourself out. You're going to burn yourself out. You're going too much. You're doing too much. You're taking on too much. You're saying yes to like all everybody else could see it but me. My right. Even my boss, for that matter, you know, he was like, you're going to burn yourself out. Terry, you got to slow down. And then the crazy thing is, when I did decide to take the leave of absence and focus on myself and my son, I got congratulated. Really? By almost everybody in my family, my best friends, my sister, everybody was like, good for you, Tara. Like they could see how damaging my lifestyle was, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't. Mm. And they knew that I needed it. Right. And that was a big aha moment for me too. I was like, Because usually people are like, you know, I was like, I've gotten promotions over the years and like, you know, and it's just like, but no, they were like, yes, you need that. Like, especially my sister. She was like, she, she knows me best. She's like this. You need this. Right. Wow. Why don't we talk about people who are probably most susceptible to uh, burnout who are in business? Who is most susceptible to this? Because I don't think everyone burns out. And I think there are some, I mean, I don't know this for a fact, but I think that, you know, you see, I've seen a lot of successful, successful people and it's been years. Like you don't see them coming and going. They're, they're there and they're, they're able, it, I, it appears that they're able to cope. Now they may have other coping mechanisms that I don't see, right? There could be drinking in the evenings. There could be all kinds of things going on, but who do you think is most susceptible yeah, no, it's there. That's a great question. So there are different camps that uh, the extreme ones, like I just, the high achievers, over functioners, those for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, moms, 
that are still running the domestic front? Very much so. A lot of the times, not everybody's different, right? But the majority of the domestic front is still run by women. So women that are trying to manage successful careers as a high achiever, that's also trying to be the PT, you know, the mom and, you know, perfect wife, perfect wife and the things and get keep it all together and be all things to everyone. So the moms are at risk for sure. Neurodivergent individuals as well are susceptible to it. So explain who that is. So people with ADD, ADHD, things like that, they are very susceptible to it. Okay. And then I guess the last one, as far as like industries go, I'll say teachers. Mm, Teachers are have a high rate. I think it's like almost don't quote me on this, but almost like 50 percent of teachers experience burnout at some point. So teachers is huge. Healthcare industry is really big. The rate in which, you know, how fast paced theirs are and the demands, especially in residency and things like that. So there's a there's a lot of burnout that happens there. And uh, there's also um, like service oriented, like police officers and things like that. So those are huge tech. Financial are also big ones. Architecture is a big one. Interesting. Um, I know as it as a teacher, um, after teaching for how many years had I been teaching? I had been teaching about 18 years. And I remember telling myself that the day I no longer enjoy walking into the classroom is the day I need to stop teaching in a classroom because it wasn't fair for the students to get that version of me, the burnt out version. And I firmly believe that. And I have followed that, um, that mindset, you know, into real estate, which again, depending on how you do real estate and how you sell, when I, when I opened my brokerage, I went into overdrive, right? It was not only do I have to continue selling and, and do it at a high level, but I also need to coach these agents and I need to coach them all to be really high level agents. And then it was, well, I also need to be a speaker. And so I'm going to travel across North America and I'm going to help all those people too. And then I have a house and I've got teenage boys who need my help. And so, you know, I need them to do really well at school. And it was all of this stuff that I kept stacking and stacking and stacking. And by the last year, COVID had happened. And all of a sudden, I was, you know, six months out of the office and home still working. But that's when you when you start to slow down. Oh, my gosh, what what's what ends up happening? First of all, I started this podcast in 2020. And what I found is as I was talking and my ideas were coming out, I would, you know, finish the podcast and I would think to myself, huh? Wow, where did that I would listen back to podcasts and I didn't even remember what I had been talking about. Like I I remember walking and I thought I should just listen back to what I just said and I hadn't remembered half of what I had talked about cuz it was just coming out. Like and I thought there's something wrong here that mm-hmm. it took me 6 months to try and slow down. But once I had slowed down, I looked back at life and I said is is that really why I'm here is to go at that pace, help people who don't actually want to be helped. And that's when I started diving even more into, you know, the mindset and success and the side effects of success. And then is there a better way? And is there a better way to be who I'm proud to be and not burn out and for my family and all of that, all these questions. But I think if you can't get to the point where you start asking questions, that's when you're never going to find the answers in how to lead a better life. And now, you know, that would probably bring us back to what brought you into leaving that corporate job and then going in this direction of becoming a burnout coach for successful women. Yeah. So what show us how that um how that connection happened. Yeah. So um, one real, I'm going to, I'm going to share my connection, but before I do, it's crazy. The chronic stress that causes our inability to encode memory. Cause when you're in fight or flight mode, if you're stuck in that mode, you, it's, it's hard for you to encode memory. So like, I realized that I had an issue, like I, I had really bad memory. Um, and then when I started coming out of burnout, being chronically stressed, I started dreaming more too, which was kind of funny, but yeah. 
Yeah. Side note, but yeah. Okay. So the, why I went from corporate America into holistic burnout coach uh, mode and what was that, what was that transition like? So tell me what what I'm interested in is your thought pattern. So you've, you've come out now of corporate America, you're on your leave. Yeah. Tell me what's going on during that leave of absence. Well, at first I had, I was like, what the hell just happened? Like, I, you know, I didn't immediately be like, oh, it was burnout. Like I thought like burnout was kind of rhetorical. Like I was like, yeah, you know, and that's another thing women do. Like we discount it. Like it, admitting to burnout sometimes seems like a weakness or that it means that we can't take the pressure. Like it's almost like, ooh, it's like a dirty word. Well, like especially it. if you're a high achiever, right? Like, oh, yeah. what do you mean I burn out? I don't burn out. I just keep going. <laughs> yeah. And it's sad because it keeps us right there where we're at and instead of really making the changes that we need. So it's a big passion of mine. It's a, to help women understand that it's more serious than they may um, and that they're worth investing in the change and the healing. So, and their families are too, but um, but that's part of the process. And, and it's a limiting belief if you're not willing to admit that you're burnt out. But um so the first step for me was to recognize that I was burnt out. And so I I was picking up the pieces and started, I'm a learner by nature. And so I got into like, just research around neuroscience and like just the phenomenon itself and the symptoms and like what drives it. And then I recognized that, you know, these extreme behaviors are, you know, kind of predisposed to burning out and uh, really started my own healing journey, investing in myself around um, just healing ultimately, um, you know, my worth wound. That's the foundation of the work um, around burnout so that you don't find yourself burnt out again, because mm-hmm. so many women will go through cycles of burnout. They'll burn out and then they'll burn out again and they'll burn out again. Yeah. And so, or they'll change jobs thinking that'll solve it and it doesn't. Yeah. And so, um so yeah, so I just poured into myself and just learned everything I could. Finally faced the music that I had experienced trauma. I, you know, I realized that it wasn't it wasn't it didn't have to be something overt that happened to me. It could have just been the fact that I'd grown up with emotionally immature parents mm. uh, didn't give me, you know, or validated me only based on performance. I mean, there's a, so many situations that people can end up ultimately having a worth wound that they're driving to, that they achieve to cope with, or people please as a coping mm-hmm. or over functioning or, you know, having to be perfect. If you had really difficult to please parents, that's one of them. Yeah. Maybe you grew up in poverty. And so now you're hyper vigilant around making money because you is as a sense of security, like that's a wound that had occurred, or maybe you grew up with a stutter. And so now you have a hard time speaking out into meetings. I mean, that's how basic it can be. It's not, it, it really is just that residual impact um, that you carry with you in your behaviors going forward and your thinking. So um, yeah, so all that to say, I finally faced the music. I was burnt out. I realized I was, had trauma. I started working on that and healing my worth wound. Boundaries are obviously important, but those are tools. I always kind of hate when people say, oh, just better boundaries. I'm like, Mm. I always had, you know, I knew better boundaries, but they never stuck. They always came riddled with guilt. And um, so really the foundation of the work is around that worth wound healing and managing thoughts um, is another big part. But yeah. And then, so I think your question was too, like, when did I, so really, I just realized that I had this passion. Now that I had these, the blinders were off and I got to see how toxic my lifestyle was in hindsight mm-hmm. and the damage that it caused my family and my older two children. And um, I realized that I I didn't want to stand for other women that were living years and years in burnout and sacrificing so much. And I wanted to advocate for them and I wanted to, you know, just support them and, you know, guide them and ultimately end up, you know, that's what drove me into the coaching practice. So. Yeah, that is so good. So where do we go from here? If someone is listening to this now and they're thinking to themselves, this kind of sounds like me, what would they do next? What do you think that's something that they, and obviously this is not a, you know, oh, I have an allergy. I'm just going to take some medicine. It's going to go away. It doesn't work like that. So what are some of the steps that a person can start working toward to figure out? And are there different kinds? I mean, is there, how do we know if if I have a legitimate stress going on? Mm. Or is there anything that, well, maybe it's just you have a lot going on in your life. It's not actually burnout. Is there a distinction that a person can make? 
Yeah. So that's a great point. Like, obviously, we live in a stressful environment, right? Like we're moving faster than we've ever moved before. There's information overload. Demands are high. Um, so you can't walk off grade. There's so much going on out in the world. You know, we what have all social, all the things, right? right? So much noise in our world. Mm-hmm. So we can't roll up in a bubble and move off to an island and just isolate ourselves, right? Yeah. So that so I think essentially it's kind of two parts. One is reducing and managing stress well. Okay. So we reduce um when I say reduce stress, I mean the illegitimate stressors that we create for ourselves. Like there are legitimate stressors that we have in our life. Those are things oftentimes are external, like maybe you work in accounting and you have a busy tax season. Mm-hmm. That's that is what it is. Maybe you have sick parents or maybe you have two toddlers in the house or teenagers. Um, They can be stressful, right? Those are stress. Maybe you're dealing with an illness of your own. Those are legitimate stressors in your life. A lot of times for the high, for the extreme behavior individuals, we create stress for ourselves. Mm. The internal pressures that we're putting on ourselves to always achieve or to move that goalpost every, you know, and to self-improve can be a stressor too. We're on this always self-improvement mission or making something perfect or an all or nothing attitude or, um, yeah, have to be in control. I feel like I'm literally checking off every box on this list that you're talking about. I'm like, yeah. yes, and yes. Yeah. So it's those when I say, you know, reduce those, right? Like learn how to manage yourself in a way. And through in one of the biggest parts of that is, is the worth wound healing and then managing your thoughts and your mindset and just those toxic thinking, those thought patterns that you have and really rewiring your brain. Um, so that's where the rubber hits the road there. But so so we reduce, we take out all those illegitimate stressors, right? right. We work on taking those out. Then we manage the real stressors. And then we also restore ourselves um, in ways that we don't do well. Like the four pillars of restoration is, you know, it's sleep, Good sleep is very important for us to process stress hormones in our body yeah, and our happy hormones. And we discount it so much. And I know it's a little bit of a hard, sleep is such a hard thing. So that is not missed on me, but it is important. Mm-hmm. Nutrition is important too. It's our second gut, right? Yeah. So nutrition is really important. Connection, connection with others and ourself has so much science around how it reduces stress mm-hmm. uh, is really, really important. And then moving our bodies is regulating our nervous system. So it's like this balance between reducing and managing stress well and then integrating good restoration into our life. You know, it's interesting when you're talking about illegitimate stressors because I do think that people cause a lot of their own stress. Um, and and not even, you know, some of these things that you were talking about, about, you know, the, the achievement and I have to do better in moving that but even on on a day-to-day basis, I find that people create most of the drama that goes on in their lives, right? Um, even within their own relationships. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there's so much I've noticed, you know, there's a lack of good communication in whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's with kids. Um, I, I even see it with the way that people are communicating, whether it's by text and email. There is so much communication lost that I believe creates more problems in people's lives. And I think that if we went and and you just simplified everything, I find that people are in a hurry. Everyone seems to be in a rush, in a hurry to get something done, to get money, to get, you know, like the next deal, whatever that is, that if they were to just stop and slow down a little bit and start with, first of all, how you communicate with people. And if you could do that, slower and more precise, then that message would go out clearer, which means that what would come back is less stressful, less drama. I find that there's just this vicious circle of the way that people are living their life that is creating far more stress than there needs to be. And I see it every day. And every day I tell people, slow down. If you just slowed down, that wouldn't have happened, which means that wouldn't have happened. And you wouldn't have this domino effect of, you know, shit hitting the fan, right? If you could just bring it all back and start again and just do it slower, more thoughtful, more mindful of what you're doing, 
all of that would have been avoided. Yes, that is so true. I I used to subscribe to hustling more. If I could just cram everything in between eight and five, then like I got really good at setting my boundaries and walking out of my office at five, but then I crammed everything in. I didn't have any capacity at the end of the day. Right. So it's an illusion for us to try to hustle because we are not infinite beings. We have um, just amount of emotional, physical, and mental capacity in a day. Like that's it. So if I'm exhausting that between eight and five, then I'm going to be a couch potato for my husband when I get home and I'm not going to have a conversation with him. Yeah. So you can't, and what is the root of that problem? The root of that problem is you're trying to be everything to everyone, right? And then what happens is you're running yourself so thin that you end up finding yourself not being, you You feel like you're showing up so thin to everyone that you're not enough to anyone. Mm-hmm. So it's like this double-sided sword almost where you're just like, you're, you can't say no to anyone. You're trying to be everything to everyone. You cram everything in. You're not respecting your limits as a person that you have a finite amount of capacity. Um, and then you end up on the couch feeling like you never showed up for anyone because you were spread so thin. So it's like, it's like this double whammy. Yeah. And it, it's like, it's almost like the definition of insanity where you just keep going back. It's like, I feel like it's insanity to keep doing that to yourself that, you know. Um, so one of the things that I really am passionate about is just recognizing our limits as humans, that we try to behave like God and act like we're infinite beings many times and we're not. You know, you only have 24 hours in a day. Yeah, yeah. Um, so as we near the end, here are some of the questions I have. Because as as a coach... I would love to know when people approach you um, for coaching, what are you finding to be similar symptoms that they're coming to you with? And, you know, as I'm sitting here now and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I do think I have a problem. I do think I'm feeling burnt out. What would their next steps be? What, What should they do? Or when they come to you, is there is there anything that they should have, you know, be thinking about or is there anything? I don't know. Um, how would you? I'm going to leave it in your hands. What does that look like for them? Yeah. So I think the most common when I all is they can't shut off work and they just kind of feel consumed by it and it's impacting their relationships and themselves and they become an unrecognizable version. And um, so that's kind of those classic symptoms. Um what I would say for somebody who's, you know, thinking about taking that next step and really digging in and addressing their burnout mm-hmm. um, is one, acknowledging that it, first of all, it's not a weakness. It's, it's not, it doesn't mean that you can't take the pressure. What it might mean though, is that you've been neglecting yourself for a long time. Yes. And yes. then it might be time to really stop neglecting yourself because that's part of the problem. That's the problem, right? You're not putting your needs equal to others and you're chasing yeah. The achievement. Like, um, I know with women, it's like you almost need permission from someone yeah. to take a moment or take some time for yourself or say, no, I, I am just not going to do the laundry right now. I'm going to do this instead for me. Yeah. Because it's selfish or they think it's selfish. Yeah. So yeah, they have permission. This is your permission. If you're listening to address this and know that the way that you're living it's not sustainable. And let and even if you could push through for the next 20, 30 years or however you're left of your career, the way that you are, mm-hmm. I ask you this, do you want to? Do you want to continue to live this way? Mm-hmm. Right? Like even if you could, like are you are the is the cost too great? Are the relationships that, that are suffering, is it too great? Is yeah. it the fact that you can't show up for yourself or your your kids or your parents or you know, that you feel like you're having this out-of-body experience going through the motions, can't checking into your vacation. Is it worth it? Yeah. Because you can change. It can, it takes work, but I promise it can happen. And I would just encourage you to pursue it with every, every fiber in your body. Um, And is it a one and done thing? No, it's a continuum of healing, but is it, it's definitely worth it. It's definitely worth it because you will begin to have presence again, where you can really check in um, to the present and in the moments and um, have those true connections and not be spread so thin and feel like you're giving enough. Like we want to feel like we're enough. We want to feel like our contributions matter and that we're not spread so thin. And you can get to that point. You can feel empowered to say no. And you can reclaim time in your day and your energy and wake up 
Um, but it does take active management because these, back to our the start of our conversation, these these extreme behaviors feel very innate to us. Mm-hmm. And so moderating them is key and it's an active, it's acting, you have to actively manage yourself. Wow, yes. I, you know, I'm right, right there with you. Um, and it's something that I, that I keep at the back of my mind is um, sort of a little analogy that I heard. And it's when, this is when I've gone through these times when I've realized um, that this is not the direction that I want to be going. And this is not the direction I expected this to go is, you know, you get to the end of your life and you're, you're standing up in heaven and and God is holding onto your cell phone and he's scrolling through. And he says, let me show you your version of how you lived life. And he's scrolling through your version. And he says, now let me show you the other version of how you could have lived, but you chose to stay in that situation, whatever that situation is, you know, and I always think to that, like, what do I want that second version to look like? And how important is that to me, to my family? Now, I think that there may be people who are quite happy with however they're living and they're happy doing what they're doing. Now, whether they've convinced themselves that they're happy or not, that's another story, right? That's a whole mindset thing. But I think once you have stopped and you start to question, is this really what I want my life to be like? And fast forward 20 years, I love that you said that, 20 years from now, is this the direction that you wanted to go? If you're standing where you are now and you were to look 10 years ahead, is is that the path that you want to keep following? Or... Do you want to just start making those small steps now? Because you know what they say? I think it was a rocket scientist that just one degree, one degree difference every day will move you off course, but it may move you in the direction that you really need to be going rather than the the course that you're on. Yes. Yes. That 1%, right? We can't eat the elephant all at once. And that's the thing about burnout too, is just being realistic that it's not going to be perfect. And you know, you can't wave wave a wand, but it is worth it. And it is, you know, it's a practice that you, you really kind of have to learn and learning to manage your mind and remind yourself of your worth and that it's not tied to your achievements and um, your success or your bank account or making people happy or whatever that looks like for you. Everybody kind of has a different motivation, but yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. So how are you feeling now? Now on your new road going forward? Oh gosh, I I love it. Like I love the work that I get to do with the women and see their transformations and their aha moments and really get to be there and support them and hold them up and tell them it's, you know, you know, it's not perfect. They'll have a bad day and we'll remind them that they've made so much progress and things like that. So um, I love that. And I love my healing journey that I've gotten to experience. And um, I was laying in bed with, um, I have three kids, 21 18 and five, but I have a little one again. And so I'm doing things very different now. And I got to lay every night for the last, you know, at least a year, I lay in there with him and um, we just talk and pray. And, you know, I used to be stressed out about things like that. And now I get to slow down and really enjoy all those moments and um, just find my presence again and, you know, enjoy rest and rejuvenation. And, you know, I used to be surrounded too by family and friends all the time, but I never felt like I was truly connected to them, really enjoying, you know, cultivating my relationships more and um, yeah, just enjoying life. And honestly, the funny thing is I used to try to, we're big travelers. Um, We used to try, we still love to travel, but like, it's funny that the phenomenon that has occurred is that I don't feel like I need to escape anymore. Is Okay. So I think that is maybe one of the most important parts of this podcast is so many people wait for that vacation so that they can relax, be happy, uh, have peace when that's just, it's all wrong. It's all wrong. Yeah. And you can't, and that's another thing people think, you know, vacations will solve burnout and there's a deeper rooted issue happening, but, but yeah, like that's, that's a weird kind of thing that I've just been totally, totally happy just camping at home and enjoying 
my house and my family and food and just all the simple things in life, right? Yeah. Oh, I love it. Tara, thank you. How can people reach out, find you, um, find more information? I know you have a course as well. Um, give all the information that you can about how people can find you if they're interested in your course, in your coaching. Yeah. Yep. So I have my 12-week program um, for burnout recovery. And as far as finding, and then I also have my academy, my online course, if you'd prefer a self-paced course, but I love the program because we get to work together and it's accountability is really important too. So if that's something that you're interested, I'd love to talk to you. I do complimentary consultations where we'll map out a unique burnout plan for you and you can find me. I have a website and I have Instagram. My name is, it's Tara O'Dell, O-D-E-L-L. And I'm on Instagram. I'm known as the holistic burnout coach there. Um, I'm also on TikTok and I'm on Facebook. A great TikTok following. I love it. You should definitely yeah. check Tara out. And on TikTok, um, your handle is? Yeah, I was just pulling it up because I should know this by heart. But let me see. So my handle too on, so I've got my Instagram up is Tara Odell underscore burnout underscore coach. Um, and at the top of that Instagram, you can see um, my website link to book that complimentary call if you're interested in that. Um, but my handle is it's at Tara underscore Odell underscore after underscore burnout. So yeah, there you have it. Thank you so much. I think that um, this is an episode that people, even if they thought they might have been feeling burnt out, tired, overwhelmed, maybe we'll put some pieces more into place for them so that they now know that there's something that they can do about that and change their course. Those of you listening, those of you watching, thank you so much for tuning in today to a Mindset Medicine podcast. You know, like it, share it with anyone who you think might find this really helpful. Uh, leave us a review if you thought that, yeah, you know what? Gosh, this I really needed to hear this today. We would love to hear from you. So until next time, thank you again. And uh, Tara, we'll see you again soon. Yeah, thank you for having me, Catherine.